Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I'm Ben Duncan, and on this podcast, I will be interviewing prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana. In today's episode, I am joined by Cesari Zidetsky. Cesari is a Salesforce certified technical architect working out of Germany. Through the episode, we heard more about Cesare's background, what his initial career aspirations were, and what he studied in university. We then looked at his early career and how he first came across the Salesforce platform, what he initially thought of the platform, how he picked it up, and if there were any areas that he initially struggled with. We then looked at why he moved into the consulting space, what was important to him when he moved jobs, and what he was looking for from an employer. And then we discuss how he made the step up to architect relatively quickly in his career and what gave him the confidence that he was ready to make that move. We then delve into the CTA goal that he had, how that came to be and what that journey looked like. And Cesari shared some really interesting insight around his approach to the CTA review board, how he mentally prepared for that and how he was focused going into the review board and prepared to give it his best shot ultimately. We then look at the areas that Cesare is most enjoying working with now and some of his future goals. So a really interesting episode. I hope you enjoy the chat and please do subscribe for future episodes that are coming through. Cesare, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for getting up early uh, in your time zone and taking the time out to chat. So really excited to speak with you today. Same here, Ben. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So uh, always got a lot to run through on these podcasts, but... Uh, I know you've listened to these before. You mentioned a few of the CTAs that you've you've heard before. So you'll probably know I like to start looking backwards and looking at early career and early life. So I, I know that you studied management and economics. So what was it that you had planned to do? Like what was your career goal or, or where did you see yourself developing and, and going into after studying? Yeah, thank you. Good question. So uh, from my high school, I graduated it was back in 2008, but my major was in physics and math. So really, my focus was in natural science. And it's one of the best schools in natural science in the country. Uh, but maybe I'll, I had a little bit too much of physics and math back in high school. So I wanted to do something less theoretical and more hands-on. So I decided to choose economics as a means to apply those natural science knowledge, math knowledge. And from the bachelor, I graduated in economics of enterprise because I thought it was interesting back then. And I wanted to see how enterprise works and how can I apply those knowledge. And in my master's, I focused more on the economical statistics and specifically on big data and data analysis because I decided that I saw that many of the um, managers or C-level people, they didn't really base their decision on the data but more on the gut feelings or their experience, which is also good. But nowadays we have so many different analytical tools that can support our decision-making process. So I was interested in learning those, not only to apply as a data analysis, uh, analyst, but also later on at some point, if I will play a C-level role, I would need to understand those complex data patterns to support my decision based on that, not only on my experience. Sure. And I know that part of studying data, there are some programming elements to that, right? There's um, there's some programming 
languages and pieces of work that, that you would have been exposed to. So is that where you got your kind of taste of going into being a, a programmer or, or developer? Yes, I enjoyed that part probably the most because, you know, with, with a little bit, a couple of development skills, you can write scripts that will expose you to a whole new level of data analysis. And back then I used SPSP uh, and R and Stata, different tools that you can apply on on a set of states of millions of records. And after some time, and back then, I already needed to use a supercomputer to calculate some of my research, but the um, results were mind-blowing in terms of what kind of patterns, what kind of relationships you can you can see that the people would otherwise overlook just from based on their experience. And one example was I analyzed the statistical data from young people of different European countries in one of my research. And then I found some relationship between Greece, Poland, and UK that you would not say otherwise if you would not look at the data in the right way. So yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. And I was probably one of the best back then in coding skills in those tools. Sure. So then how, how did Salesforce come to be your, uh, your career and, and your next step? Yeah, so after after graduation, I, I was looking for a job in data science where I can apply those knowledge. And in my first job, I joined the management trainee program where I was groomed for being the next next generation manager for the company. And I was exposed to different projects across that multinational corporation. And in each of the projects, the initial goal was to analyze data. But when I looked at the problem, I realized that it was more an IT problem. And I worked with business to solve different problems, starting from an online shop and optimization, the customer journey, and ending with, with applying this new CRM tool called Salesforce to tackle our production issues across the globe um, in different countries. And concretely, for, for this project, where I firstly got exposed to Salesforce, I was working on in an industry of performance plastics, where we have a portfolio of um, solutions spent from industries, aerospace, automotive, healthcare, life science. And uh, the headquarter was in Ohio, in the US, and I was based out of Cleveland. I had a chance to work with businesses in different countries like Belgium, Mexico, US, Germany, Poland, to check their readiness to apply this new tool, the CRM solution and to see if, if Salesforce is the right tool for our needs uh, and if adoption will be good. And I had to present to C-level at different companies, but also at, at our headquarters. And in a sense, it was very similar to a CTA uh, because I did like nine months of research and then I had one hour to present my findings of nine months of research. So you need to really condense your knowledge out of a broad spectrum into very small, short span of time. And you have just 30 minutes after the presentation in Q&A from the management to convince the people that Salesforce is the right tool to go with or not. So it was an interesting experience. Yes, and I really enjoyed that part because I was able to work with people and also to drive adoption later on. So I stated that role. Management was sold on that idea, and um, I joined them the project as a product owner, and I worked closely with the business to drive the adoption of the new tool. Yes, that was my first exposure. 
So, so from the moment you found Salesforce, did you identify that that was going to be a platform that you wanted to work with for, for the foreseeable and you could see a career with the platform? So the first exposure was to, to Salesforce as a means to solve the business problem. But then later on, as I started to explore Salesforce, I saw that it is a very powerful platform that also is developing very dynamically and I saw the potential of a platform and at that business project I was part of the adoption or the velocity was not very high because you need to train people a lot and you need to drive that adoption and we didn't really use the full potential of the platform so I was uh, interested in looking at the projects where I can uh, apply different aspects of Salesforce to solving many more business issues and business questions that the businesses uh, had. So I really jumped on the opportunity to use Salesforce to solve business problems in different ways in different industries. And you mentioned your first role was product owner. So um, you, you kind of identified the platform as being the right one for the business and then worked on the rollout. Is that when, so, so I'm guessing you then also did some of the development tasks and, and brought in your programming skill set from your, your education. Uh, so were you writing Apex code and, and, and actually hands-on in a development capacity then as well? So I was, I was the first uh, contact for my business part. So it was a multinational rollout. And so I was a product owner for one business unit, Performance Plastics, but we had also many more. We had construction materials. We had, I don't recall, like abrasive solutions, et cetera, et cetera. And I was responsible for Performance Plastics. And uh, for the question that my business had, I applied my knowledge also to, to solve their burning needs as much as possible. But I was also part of the center of excellence from my business. And we had also an architect above me that had to validate my solutions. So it was really a multinational rollout with 180,000 people that were potential users. So we have like an employee count of 180,000. So it was not, I, I didn't have a liberty to do much much on my own because we had a really strict control process to go through. But I tried to apply my knowledge as much as possible in the areas where I was allowed. Sure. And then to what, because you were there for a couple of years, right? So you saw that project through um, and then you, you made the move into consulting. Right. So at, at that point, what was the attraction to consulting? And also when you were going through that process, what were you looking for from the company you were ultimately going to choose to work for? Yes. So really, I what one of the aspects of my desire to seek a change was my wish to be more hands-on and really to apply more development skills and be you know having more liberty uh, in this area. But also, I wanted to apply my knowledge from the international projects, from my consultancy point of view, from uh, communication skills to a broader set of clients. So I wanted to see more velocity, want to see more change, being able to work with multiple clients, also learn from the best or the people that, that have this experience. So I was was looking to consultancy company as a next step. It was a natural progression for me, I think just based on my experience. And also I wanted to, to have more training. So one of the biggest aspects is if the company would offer a training courses, uh, if they invest in their employees in terms of self-development. And that was my, my goal at that point, to be able to develop my, my skills as much as possible, as fast as possible. 
So did you, at that point, before, when you chose to go into consulting prior to that, did you even know what a Salesforce CTA was? Um, not really, no. <laughs> I was still not focused on the goal of becoming like professional on this specific platform fully. But I was sold on, on Salesforce as a, as, a, as a great platform to solve the business needs. But I was also open to ideas that at some point I need to be more generalistic in choosing the platforms and just maybe work on the broader spectrum of platforms at that point of time. Yes, but CTA was not on my regard. Sure. And like if, if I look at your career and, uh, and, and I mean, your journey so far, you've risen to the top quite quickly. Like in terms of going from from being you know someone that was assessing what products to use, a product owner, going into consulting and really quite quickly being an architect, and that that's a lot quicker than it happens for quite a few people in the ecosystem. Not just getting to CTA, but getting to the architect title and and being able to command that kind of role. So how how do you feel you made that progression so quickly? Like, um, did you plan to make that transition so quickly, or did it just kind of fall into place for you? Yes, good, good question. So when I transitioned to consultancy company, I also started my, my, my role as a Salesforce architect. Why? Because at back at that time, I seriously considered switching to a developer position because even though I enjoyed the part of communication with people, I also enjoyed parts of being hands-on and just having my time with this code, with development. And it's, you know, in development, as, as a developer, you have more straightforward goal you can you can have your kpis you can have your roi you can see your progression more clearly so it, it was also tempting for me to just you know it, it it's very different exposure but in my role from the management perspective it was it was a natural step to put me in in, in position where i need to consult people due to my communication skills and presentation skills so i I understand that it was also one of my stronger points that I also need to make use of. And the technical architect is a position where you can use both of your skills, both the development or technical exposure and the need to consult uh, your stakeholders to being open to open questions from the business to also answer questions how this solution will specifically support my business processes and business solutions. So it was natural progression, natural steps towards this. And as I was looking for a company that where I can learn and I can progress as quickly as possible, I was also ready to invest my time from day one into my personal development. So it was also a very thought through step. Go into a challenging role, uh, into a challenging environment with, with interesting people, learn as much as possible from those people, and I met a lot of interesting people and I tried to accommodate as much as possible from them to learn from everyone on the on the project. And the projects that I've been working on were also very interesting, very very challenging in, in, in its own way, but also international. Also, yeah, I cannot say I, I would I would do anything differently nowadays. And my uh, progression then for CTA became natural as I progressed through different ranks of, of Salesforce knowledge due to my project roles and due to my new connections and colleagues that, that were around, I was put in an environment where it was a natural uh, thing to strive for. So yeah, now here I am. But uh, it was all it all started when I made the decision 
to become a little bit better every day with the risk to be the least experienced person in the room. And it's not a good feeling actually to, you know, to have a little bit less knowledge than the rest, but that's the only way you can learn. So true. Yes. So when you did decide, right, CTA is for me, I'm going to do that. How long did you expect that it would take you? Oh, back then, I didn't really thought about the CTA as a final goal, to be honest. I, I looked at it as, as, as a journey. So it was also my next step for my investment of personal time, personal means, from the consultancy role into Salesforce, self-improvement, self-progression, to be with a group of people that want to become a CTA. So I wanted to always, so the journey was more tempting for me than the title itself. And I looked at it like, whatever it takes, how, however much it takes, I want to be here. I want to be uh, part of the group that strives for it. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought maybe a year, maybe, maybe half a year, I was ready to. So when I initially submitted my case, I, I put the date for like six months from that point of time. And in total, I was preparing around a year towards that date that, that I put in, in my in my case that I submitted to Salesforce. But in overall, it took me around one and a half years uh, until until I got my review board date and until it passed. So, yeah, I mean, if, if that would take me another year, that would be a challenging year on top of, of my current uh, investment. But I would not say I would not enjoy another year of studying with, the, with such a great people, with such a great group. So... Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about how you did prepare, because I know um, I, I've had some of the group on the podcast before as well. But it, it seems like to me, everyone that I've had on the group that has been part of these kind of cohorts and, and study groups, they, they kind of make lifelong friends as well. But also like the journey that they go on together and that you went on with the people is, you know, equally as, as important as the, the outcome. Yeah, for me, it was. So for me, I was looking at that as, as again as, as a journey. and. Not only a journey towards the sales referential, but also a journey towards myself. How can I improve my day-to-day -day activity? How, how I can become better at my job, waking up earlier, optimizing my day, focusing on the right priorities, learning faster, reading faster, uh, talking to the right people, asking the right questions. It's not something that you would limit on the sales So I was really thrilled to you know to start this kind of journey and yeah i mean I, I made i made a lot of friends i started with some people that you had already on the podcast i know a lot of people that you have on the podcast uh, it, it's a community that it's, it's a growing community and I, I i like to be part of it i like to be part of the salesforce ecosystem and also it, it made me also a much better architect so in my current work i see that i can apply both kind of knowledge that have been acquired throughout the studying in my day-to-day -day job. So maybe not all aspects of it, but definitely the considerations that I need to make on the project prior to my preparation for CTA, I would not have the full full stack of solutions, full stack of information that you need to have to deliver the best possible sales for solution that I have right now. Sure. You you mentioned you you put in the that you wanted the specific date or you planned to do it six months out, but you actually didn't have six months to prepare, right, for the review board when when you found out. You didn't. You found out a lot closer to the review board 
that it was going to be planned? Yeah, right. So I, I found about the review board date around three three weeks before the review board. And I had around five days to make up my mind if I'm going to take the date or not. So usually you would expect a review board date to be assigned two to three months in advance. So you have a time to ramp up your preparation, then you can plan it in advance. For me, it was a more like, and not like 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 the news came on on Monday, and on Wednesday I had my vacation plans in Spain, and I had to make my decision if I'm going to now sacrifice my vacation for studying, or I'm going just to take it slowly and put it for another another month or two. But the risk with that decision would be that you would never know when would be the next time you will become a date because that that's not up to you to decide. And I decided to work towards that goal, even though it was a short time span. But having the ability to work towards the goal in a timely manner was something that mobilized me. And also from my my other projects, I I see that uh, I have one ability, and that is to mobilize my strengths to work towards a goal and then deliver the best possible performance on the day of the presentation of what it required the most. And during my studying, I cannot say I was the best student that Seth Wagner has ever seen. That definitely would be an overestimate. I made a lot of mistakes. And I, you know, it's like going to a mock, going into a study session, then asking stupid questions, feeling stupid about it, learning a little bit about it, going another day, we had daily meetings starting at 8 a.m. And I would make another stupid mistake. And I would, you know, and, and it hurts every time you do a stupid mistake because you're exposed to such such a brilliant group of people that you have around you that, yeah, you know, you need to be prepared to be unexperienced and to show also your weaknesses because only in this way you can bridge those gaps. And in my case, it was like making mistakes up to the day when I had the review board and then delivered the best possible performance on that day because I already made all of my mistakes before. You know, it's just so much mistakes you can make. And then I didn't have any left. <laughs> so that was my way of studying. That was my way of studying. My, I, I, I wanted to do all mistakes, ask all stupid questions, uh, make all the bad presentations prior to that day and then collect my best knowledge, best skills, and just deliver it on, on the on the performance day. And yes, in this three weeks before before the review board, I had to mobilize myself. I changed my daily routine completely. I started to wake up earlier, like around six o'clock or even before that. Uh, the good thing was that I was already on vacation in Spain, and in Spain it gets really hot really soon. So when you wake up at six, you already have a nice weather outside. So it really helped me to to straighten my my daily routine. And I also have have seen a correlation. The earlier I wake up, the better my day goes. If I would wake up at seven or eight, I would have two more hours of sleep, but my daily productivity would be lower by around fifty percent. And even with more hours of sleep, I would be still sleepy during the uh, lunchtime, while when I sleep six hours or you know even five, but wake up at five at six, 
you have this drive throughout the day and you can stay focused and concentrated up to 10, 11 p.m. when you need to wrap up your day. So I was able to increase on the in the short span of time my productivity. And uh, yeah, and, and repeat everything I studied before, the one and a half uh, years before. And I actually just started to do my mock. So before that, um, knowledge of my of my presentation day, of my review board day, I didn't do much uh, mock. Maybe I did maybe 10, 12. So it's uh, it's really not not too much. And I plan to get the review board date and then starting to do mocks like one mock every two days, every three days, collect the feedback, process the feedback, and move on. But due to the short time, I had to do like eight mocks in seven days, like every day one mock to really focus just on that. So at the end, I really I went to the beach in Spain just once on my last day. But I was able to make a really good progression in my presentation skills and my solution skills for the mock. So to the point that I had two sessions with, with my coach, with um, Seb Wagner, uh, at the beginning of my seven days mock sprint and at the end. And at the beginning of my mock sprint, Seb would say, would tell me that I'm not ready for the reward. It's better to pass right now and you know not risk your, your chances. But at, at the end, when I get to the seventh day, I had another mock with him, and he said, "Well, you made tremendous progress. You're you're ready to do to go now." So I was able to progress day by day. In seven days. In seven days, right? In seven days, continuously uh, changing my 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 daily routine, uh, up, you know, making mistakes, making a lot of mistakes, uh, challenging with the time uh, that I didn't do before. Uh, like really taking just the time necessary for the mock, like in the real review board. That was yeah something that it was also surprising to me how much I I could achieve. But I will apply this knowledge also outside of health as well. Yeah, for sure. And you have a, a very understanding partner going to Spain and allowing you to to uh, practice your your mocks for seven days. That that's true. Uh, I you know if 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 I would not have a support from my from my wife, uh, I probably wouldn't be able to do that because really I could rely on her that she she would handle all other problems that I had. So I didn't think about anything else. I really switched off from any outside distractions. I didn't read any news, any social media, nothing, and that was the mean that. Uh, allowed me to get the most of my knowledge of my preparation. This episode of Talent Hub Talk is sponsored by our friends from Flow Republic. Flow Republic is a Salesforce Architect Academy that works with individuals and businesses to upskill and prepare Salesforce architects for the CTA Review Board. They also have a number of other offerings, including coaching and guiding on areas such as soft skills, consulting, and design training. Flow Republic are some of the brightest minds in the Salesforce ecosystem and have a proven track record of developing Salesforce professionals and helping architects to reach their goal of becoming a CTA. To find out more about the value they can add, please check out flowrepublic.com. So, so let's talk about the actual day. Um, and you've, um, you, you're in the review board. Um, you obviously know what to expect because you've done the mocks now. But how did you feel? Were you calm because you you asked you'd got all of your bad mocks out of the way, like you said? And how confident were you on the day? Yeah, so 
you know, I, I can speak about my bad experience or, or my mistakes and then passing the CTA later on right now because it's in the past. It's easier to do this right now than being facing that, that day and knowing that you probably didn't have enough time to prepare. You didn't, you know, you wish you would have another two months. You wish you would have another session that you can ask some other questions that you are still not not quite sure about. But at some point you need to let it go. And that's that's part of my preparation. And um, that I have actually built up towards that level also from my sports career. So I used to do archery. It's an unusual sport, but it has a lot a lot in common with chess and with all technical sports in the way that you need to execute every move, you need to execute every decision that you make very carefully because one decision can cost you the turnier, can cost you the match, can cost you all the months of the preparation. And it's very similar to Salesforce. If you make one decision uh, in the reward, that would be a wrong one. For, for example, you would call out a different uh, org strategy, going for a single org or multi-org, and it's the wrong decision. It can cost you a review board try. And so in order to build up my ability to deliver my best performance during on the due date and, and being less nervous about every decision I'm making, uh, I have two tactics. And one of them, uh, I was reading a book called The Now Habit from Neil Fiori. It's probably not so known, but it worked for me really well. It's a book to overcome procrastination. But I applied this book to overcome the paralysis of the decision that you need to make. And making some decisions and taking accountability for your decision makes you a better decision maker and uh, puts you in the position where you need to execute this decision with the full accountability for it. And it makes you feel better and it makes you feeling more powerful about your decision. And another part, it was, um, I watched uh, the Brian Cranston. Uh, he played in the Breaking Bad, the guy that, you know, the, the main character. He, he's a great actor. And in one of the interviews, he was asked, what is his best advice to the younger actors that are performing? And the, the best advice was, when you go out and perform, you need to perform without the claim to the outcome of the performance. So you just go out, you perform, then you leave the room, and you're not, not looking back. It's not yours to take. The outcome is not for you to make. It's out of your control. It's up for the judges. It's up for the shooting team, but it's not up to you. So I applied that knowledge, and it's really a powerful tool because it makes your presentation feeling more powerful, feeling your control about your course of action, about your course of storytelling. And, and actually, it's all small things that are important for your C-level presentation because the CTA is, is a technical exam about presentation to the C-level. So it's about you being a technical person, but about solving the technical problem. And the second part is as much important as the first part, as, as a technical part. And when I applied that knowledge, my presentations got much better. And when I went to the review board, I actually, from the scenario perspective, I got surprised because the scenario was longer than I would expect. And I was, at first I was surprised, but I also understood that I had to go in with the mindset that it's not 
something that you need to be afraid of. So the scenario itself, the presentation, and the Q&A session, it's not, it's not a beating that you need to suffer through and then being happy that it's done. But it's more uh, an opportunity to deliver your best performance despite the challenges and really to mobilize your strength. And when you think about it, that you are taking the ownership of this scenario, you are now in charge and you're here to make it or break it, then it was a breaking point for me that I, I did solve the scenario. I didn't do many, well, in my, in, my, in my mind, I did the best performance that I have ever done during the mock. So that scenario, even though it was longer than expected, I would not prepare for the length of the scenario. In terms of presentations, in terms of storytelling, um, it was probably my best performance. And by, you know, from the Q&A session, I, I knew that probably the, the presentation was, was good enough for the judges, so they didn't have even many questions to the presentation itself, because I was able to deliver the best version of, of myself at that, at that point of time. It's interesting because it's, it's quite rare to um, find people that have felt confident afterwards. I think you find a lot of people that are unsure and hopeful, but I know you, you were actually confident that you'd passed, right? You, you felt that because of that, the, the, they didn't have too many questions for you and, and you, know, you felt like you'd nailed the presentation. You felt confident that you'd passed the review board. Well, I, you know, it's, again, it's easy to say right now because I know, I know <laughs> the outcome that, that I was confident at that point of time. I was not so confident when, when I went to Q&A. Uh, in my presentation, I'm sure that I made some decisions that were right, but were not expected by the judges at that point of time. So I, I delivered them my vision uh, on the scenario that solved the scenario, but I cannot say that they would have seen a lot of such solutions in the past. That's what I mean. And yeah, to my, you know, when in the Q&A session itself or uh, during, during the review board, I, I tried to, again, apply the mindset that I don't want to suffer through this time point. I don't want to suffer through the review board. I want to go there and don't be afraid that it will cost me you know, like an arm, that the whole preparation and then be stressed about it, but rather to apply a positive mindset that this is something that I want to do for myself. Not for the judges, not for not for the title, but I want if if I'm going to pass it, I want to have a, a good feeling about it. And looking back at the process, having good memory, rather than go try to deliver as much as possible, try hard, and then suffer through the beating of Q and A, beating yourself then later on about the decisions that you made. Uh, thinking how can we prove that because that would rather be um, a less pleasant experience and I, I wanted to also try it out as an experience point of time like if you would jump from from an airplane right it's one-time experience it's scary experience but you would rather enjoy it than hesitate and then oh I need to do this it's a, you know I, I, I have to I need to push myself through and then look back and think about how did you push yourself through. That, that's a different uh, different story, right? So I, I was looking at that as something that I, I want to stay with me as a positive memory. Yeah, nice. So so obviously you passed, and uh, now you are a CTA. So 
what does life look like for you now in in the the role that you have and and what what kind of you, you hit some a major goal so how do you keep motivated and, and striving for more well uh right now i i i want to focus on my family so um we expect our first child and uh, i i postponed all the preparation to the turning point uh, of the family life up to now because i had a CTA. so i cannot say i really started to enjoy the new title or the new position but um the new goals i will probably set right after uh, i i will adjust to the new normal uh, of having three persons uh, in my family rather than just two. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I still, you know, the, my, my mind is open. I would like to work on, on some strategic projects uh, if, if, if I will be attached with um, to, you know, to dig dive into one specific area and being able to improve a product, for example, if, if possible. But also the ability to serve um, the program, serve the project at the client level with my new skill sets um, is also very tempting for me because I know that now I will be a better architect. And also I have I have a, a network of people that that um, I went through in, in during my preparation, and some of them already passed the CTA. Some of them are still in the process of passing. I want to motivate those people. I'm trying to be available for contact and reaching out. Um, and also, I try to uh, bring my experience as a CTA that the CTA process should not just make you a better Salesforce architect, but make you a better architect and better decision maker and a better learner, better consultant in, in every uh, possible way. So, yeah. That would be my goal. Um, And it's been interesting to hear about the kind of non-technical preparation you've done around like the mental preparation of, you know, how do you blank things out? And I guess like you you were really focusing on being in the moment rather than letting the moment overwhelm you. Right. That's the point. You need to control the moment. You you would, you know, you you don't let let out the control about the moment. You need to take the ownership of the moment. Yeah. You know, it's life. Yeah, it's true. And, and that's that's an area I've not really explored before. Like, I, you know, I've explored certain topics around the, the CTA journey and uh, but actually how you get mentally prepared for the review board. I guess that's something that, that Seb would cover in the, the course, but I'm sure that's an area people will, will be interested in hearing about as well. So if any of our listeners do want to, to reach out and kind of understand a bit more about that or anything else in your journey, where's the best place to contact you? Uh, LinkedIn would be a good good place to go, and uh, yes, I will try to answer any messages, any reach out. Yes, and you can join Seb's cohort, and then reach out to me on the internal Seb channel. I'll be happy to help you with your with your journey, and uh, yes, available to answer any questions that, that the listeners may have. Well, thank you so much, Cesare, for your time. Good luck with and congratulations with the upcoming addition to the family. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing how your journey continues to evolve over the years. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talent Hub Talk. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could subscribe and also leave a short review. Um, We're keen for this podcast to reach as many people in the Salesforce ecosystem as possible. And your reviews will help us do that.